0: From San Francisco, California, with your host, Ben Kaspic. This is Locked On Giants Baseball. Welcome back to Locked On Giants Baseball, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. My name is Ben Kaspic, and I'm thrilled to be with you again today. On this show, we provide daily episodes Monday through Friday, approximately 15 minutes in length, talking about the San Francisco Giants in a way that's data-driven and rational, but also insightful and easily digestible, easy for everyone to understand. To get this show every day, please consider subscribing on the brand new podcast app Himalaya, as well as Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, and Spotify. You can also get in your car and tell your smart device to play podcast Locked On Giants Baseball. Today's show is brought to you in part by Hotels.com. Don't hate like your friend's trip. Book your own with Hotels.com and get rewarded basically everywhere. Hotels.com. Be there, do that, get rewarded. Coming up on today's show, we are going to discuss the -the under-the-radar trade the Giants pulled off yesterday acquiring Alex Dickerson from the Padres in exchange for pitcher Franklin Van Gurp. We'll talk about Alex Dickerson at length. We'll talk about why I think it is a good trade. And then in the second half of the show, we're going to discuss Madison Bumgarner and Dallas Keuchel and why I think the contract that Dallas Keuchel received sheds light on what the Giants could expect in a Madison Baumgartner trade. So, regarding this Alex Dickerson trade, I think it's a very low-key, good move for the San Francisco Giants. And the reason for that is that Alex Dickerson was a good player when he played at the Major League level, especially in 2016 with the Padres when he had a breakout season. In 84 games, he hit 257 with a 333 on base and a 455 slugging. That line was 11% above average by weighted runs created plus so he was looking like a useful breakout big league player but then he had to miss all of 2017 with back injuries and back surgery and then unfortunately for him he missed all of 2018 with tommy john surgery so he's on record saying that these were totally unrelated freak injuries and not something that should affect him moving forward and so this year in A with the Padres, he's hitting 372 with a 469 on base and a 606 slugging, very reasonable strikeout rate of 15.9%. It's beyond reasonable, it's low, and that's right where he was in 2016, only striking out 15% of the time. He walked 9% of the time in 2016 in that breakout season and he was walking 12 of the time in the minors this year he played 12 games with the Padres this season but they have a ton of outfielders so they just weren't able to give him another extended look they have a bunch of guys who are younger and just as interesting but more established so essentially it was a need for need the Giants do not have a bunch of interesting outfielders the Padres do and so Alex Dickerson was expendable to them so they DFA'd him last week and the Giants were able to swing this trade. It's need for need. The Giants feel like they have a really good bullpen now and plenty of good bullpen pieces coming on the way. So Franklin Van Gurp, a reliever in the minor leagues, he's just a relief pitcher prospect, and the Giants have plenty of relievers at the major league level and in their system. So it's no sweat off their back to lose Van Gurp. I don't care about the age or anything like that. Alex Dickerson is an interesting outfielder, one who has had success at the major league level. And if you look at his current projections using Steamer, for example, which is a popular projection system used on FanGraphs, they have him projected at at an above average line of 269 average, 332 on base, 424 slugging. So to me, he, he might be their best option right now in left field, considering that Mike Yastrzemski has kind of come down to earth and is struggling a little bit. And they can always Option Mike Yastrzemski back down to the minors and give Alex Dickerson a look. So the idea that he's only that he's 29 and therefore the Giants shouldn't be interested in him doesn't really make any sense at all to me. The point is. There's some talent in there. The Padres just didn't have the space to give him a look. The Giants absolutely do have the space to give him a look. He's had major league success, and there's really no reason why they shouldn't run him out there and see what he can do. In his career, he's hitting .250 with a .321 on base, .429 slugging, which is right around league average. Which would be an upgrade for the Giants in the outfield right now. League average production would be a welcome change. Dickerson is especially a threat against right handed pitching. In 2016, specifically, he hit 254, 333 on base. Those are very pedestrian numbers, but then a 477 slugging. So that difference between the slugging and batting average there is 223. That's the ISO, isolated power and that's pretty high. So he has left-handed pull power. Looking at his home run spray chart, a lot of his homers go right down the right field line, and that is something that can actually play at AT AT&T or Oracle Park. So in his career against righties, he's been about 7% above average by weighted runs created, plus with power. He mostly does it with power. He's got about a league average on base percentage, but above average power. All the while, he's only striking out 18% 18% against righties in his career, walking 9%. So this, these are some interesting and promising numbers, which you cannot say for a lot of what the Giants have had in their outfield for a long time. If fans want to see Mac Williamson for an extended look and they want to see Austin Slater for an extended look, I think... I would definitely put my money on someone like Dickerson having more success than those two. Dickerson has not been as good against left-handed pitching, hitting just .242, .306 on base, .348 slugging. So that ISO, which was in the mid-200s against righties, is only 106 against lefties, but that's also in a sample of only 72 plate appearances. All told, that line is about 20% below average. He's batted 240 times against righties. Dickerson has played only left field at the major league level, 575 innings in left field, and in that time he has amassed one defensive run saved and a minus 5.7 UZR 150. That's just ultimate zone rating divided by 150 games. So it puts everyone on the same rate basis. But cost controlled and if he if he shows that 2016 was real talent that he had, he could absolutely build up some value for the Giants and either be a longer term piece or they could trade him for something of equal or greater value than what they gave up to get him. So it totally makes sense. And anyone who's upset about trading Franklin Van Gurp just probably doesn't even know who Alex Dickerson is. In fact, even on McCovey Chronicles in this article by Brian Murphy, they quote a tweet that says, so the Giants giving away a 23-year-old pitcher for some rando 29-year-old outfielder is part of the process now. And the point there is like, if you don't know who Alex Dickerson is, maybe don't speak out against acquiring him. I even saw a lot of comments about his batting average in 2019 being 158, which is just a ridiculous thing to point out because he's had 19 plate appearances. So all of that being said, knowing the Giants, they could easily just DFA Dickerson within a matter of a week. But the point is, the Giants front office knows more about what they're doing than fans on Twitter. So I would just It would be nice if we could all just let them do their jobs and not jump on every move and have the need to criticize. Dickerson also did well prior to the massive home run spike in 2017, so he was showing good power in 2016. Maybe he can show even more power in 2017-2019 when these home runs are flying at historic rates. Another fact about Dickerson is that he does not struggle to elevate the ball. This is a recurring theme with who the Giants are acquiring in Gerber and Yastrzemski and now Dickerson guys who don't hit too many ground balls. And that's kind of what we saw from Williamson hitting over two ground balls per fly ball. For his career, Dickerson is at 0.97 ground balls per fly ball. So I wouldn't be surprised if they give Yastrzemski like a couple more games, and then if it doesn't happen and Dickerson just starts doing well in A. If he gets called up sooner rather than later for an opportunity with the Giants. Obviously, we shouldn't expect greatness, but I think it's a worthwhile gamble and not something to lose sleep over losing Franklin Van Gerp. To get this show every single weekday, please consider hitting that subscribe button. You can find us on the brand new podcast app, Himalaya, as well as Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, and Spotify. Himalaya is free, super easy to use, and has every single podcast you love or are searching for. They have personally curated playlists made just for you by their expert podcast tastemakers. Themed collections of shows to help with podcast discovery. You can find everything from comedy to mystery, thrillers, and sports. Listeners can follow their favorite shows and creators, like and comment on individual episodes, and build podcast playlists by the episode. Customize it just like a playlist for songs and share it through social, text, and email. Find and download Himalaya on the App Store or Google Play Store. And don't forget to follow Locked On Giants Baseball when you're there. Coming up next, we'll talk about the Dallas Keuchel contract and why I think it's super relevant to Madison Bumgarner's trade value. So that's coming up next. But first... Okay, so as promised, we're going to talk about the Dallas Keichel contract and how it affects Madison Bumgarner's trade value. Keichel signed a one year deal worth $13 million, and that's $13 million for the rest of the season. So essentially it's $13 million for about one third to one half of the season. Madison Bumgarner, meanwhile, I have said several times on the show to me is comparable to Keichel in terms of production and what you would expect in terms of run prevention on the mound. Bumgarner is signed for $12 million for the season. So the fact that we're more than a third of the way through, but less than half. He's owed probably about $7 million for the rest of the year, little more than half of the $12 million contract. So that tells me there's about $6 million of surplus on Madison Bumgarner's contract, because let's just say Bumgarner was somehow a free agent right at this moment. What would a team sign him for? I think Keuchel is a fair comp. And so if $13 million would be the cost, the fact that he's only owed seven for the rest of the year, approximately, tells me that that's about $6 million surplus for the rest of the year. And why is that relevant? Because this has been studied how much surplus is required to net certain levels of prospects. Craig Edwards did a study on Fangraphs called an update to prospect valuation. And he looks at historically what kind of surplus has been required to net these certain levels of prospects on the 20 to 80 scale, and only talking about 50 and higher level prospects. Edwards found that pitching prospects are generally cheaper to acquire than position player prospects, and that makes sense. Some examples of 50 future value pitching prospects include Tuki Toussaint, Justice Sheffield, and Griffin Canning. So these are the type of prospects the Giants would at least be hoping to acquire in some kind of trade. Generally, you'll find these guys in the top 100, but not in the top 100. 25 top prospects in baseball. So according to Edwards, a 50 future value pitching prospect is worth about $21 million in surplus. So the fact that Bumgarner is only worth about $6 million in surplus tells me that he's not even close to alone netting a 50 future value pitching prospect. So that's probably disappointing for a lot of Giants fans, and it, it should really temper their expectations. So that's why I do think that Madison Bumgarner alone is not going to be worthwhile to make a move. You're going to have to pair him with someone like Will Smith to me in order to get one of these impact prospects that, that the Giants would be seeking. I can see a team slightly overpaying for the pedigree of a Madison Bumgarner and the postseason reputation, but if you're talking about $6 million surplus versus 21 to net a 50 future value pitching prospect, I don't see any team giving up that much value for Bumgarner. Just for comparison, a 50 50 future value position player prospect is worth about $28 million of surplus, and a 55 future value pitching prospect $34 million surplus. So these guys don't come cheaply, and if you look at comparisons around the league, someone like Brad Hand netted the Padres a top 25 position player prospect but Hand was signed for multiple seasons on a team-friendly deal and they included Adam Simber in the trade. So it will be interesting to see what it takes for the Giants to try to package something together to get what they want but I do I'm just having trouble seeing a ton of value in the remaining contract for Baumgartner. And as was written recently in The Athletic by Andrew Baggerly, if the Giants can't get what they're If they can't get some kind of impact pieces in return, there's really not a ton of reason to make that move because it would be very unpopular and the return would be minimal. I think it would potentially make sense not to trade him at all if that ends up being the type of offer. And if the Giants do hold on to him, they can offer him the qualifying offer. And if he rejects it, then they would get draft pick compensation. Coming up tonight, the Giants will take on the Padres in game one of this two-game series, Chris Paddock against Tyler Beattie, two young starting pitchers. To get this show every single day, please consider subscribing on the brand new podcast app, Himalaya, as well as Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, and Spotify. This is a daily show with new episodes Monday through Friday, approximately 15 minutes in length, talking about the San Francisco Giants in a way that's data-driven and rational, but also insightful and easily digestible, easy for everyone to understand. Once again, my name is Ben Kaspik. You can follow me on Twitter, at Cove underscore cast. If you like this show, please consider leaving a review and telling your friends and family to check us out. I cannot wait to be with you again tomorrow talking about tonight's game against the Padres. And until then, we'll see you next time.